Learn how to take responsibility for your own health with Australia's leading wellbeing researcher, Dr. Peter Dingle. Peter wastes no time getting straight to the point, putting forward the research that clearly indicates that the majority of the chronic illnesses that we suffer from today can track their source back to poor nutrition and poor gut health, and that includes COVID-19. Peter presents how the state of one's nutrition and gut health are linked to hypertension, obesity and diabetes that is reducing our life expectancy. This will be difficult listening for some as it clearly indicates the direct impact of our lifestyle choices upon our health and time on earth. We also talk about the key difference between true scientific research and the pathology-focused business of medicine and how you, as an everyday person, can tap into the latest research Peter is super enthusiastic, and this was a great opportunity to tap into such a wealth of evidence-based well-being information and data. For the listener, you'll be given some clear tips and steps of just how to regain your health and standard of life. So enjoy, Peter. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Today my guest is Dr. Peter Dingle. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bryn. Great to be here. Indeed. In my house. In your house, <laughs> at your kitchen table. So, uh, by way of an introduction, you're one of Australia's leading researchers, educators, and communicator on health. Exactly. Yep. Having written books, been on TV, radio, uh, taught at Murdoch, all the things. Yep. Um, so, I thought the first question, and then we'll get straight to it. What does well-being and good health actually look like to you well i like first of all i like because we go into the world is full of illness and problems and things like that so i want to flip it on its head i'm going to ask you the reverse question in a minute but what does good health and well-being first of all i'd like to think that it's what i'm reflecting in myself right you know I'm, i'm 60 on the way to 64 vibrant i do a lot of things in my day um I may not have as much energy as when I was 20, but I certainly am able to do the things that I want to do without restrictions. I'm not on any medications. Yep. Um, every five years when I get a blood test, they come back and go, wow, you're joking. No meds, you're, you know? Uh, and I've got what's called C-reactive protein, which is a, a measure of your level of inflammation. And inflammation is the cornerstone of illness. Yep. A simple concept inflammation yeah and if you control that inflammation then you control it so first of all me what does it mean um health as you age is something that you can still get up to yeah and do the things that you want to, to do i have no doubt you know genetically we're genetically able to live to 120 maybe even a bit more okay mm. Physiologically, in other words, physically, I actually think we're designed to collapse somewhere between 45 and and 60. And everyone I know who's 45 or to 60 or even younger nowadays, um, feel the wear and tear. So if you played sport, you've got the knees or the ankle Mm. injuries. Uh, If you did something else, you know, whatever it is, you've got these injuries that accumulate. Yes. Um, Is that from going a bit hard early? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I cringe when I see all these footballers out there and, you know, the, 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 the painkillers and the stuff that they're on. Oh, the injections. To the get them through the game so that they can, you know, um, and nowadays more, yeah, more than ever, it's faster and harder for every sport. So yeah. they're worn out at 30. 
Yes, they're exhausted. They're physio physiologically exhausted at 30. Now, I was probably um, a, a significantly under that, but you know, at 30, 35, your hormones change. Your, your testosterone, which is, you know, for men and women and women, yep. really important for that um, motivation and physical physicality and things, um, starts to decline. And if you've got a lot of injuries and you're immobile and you're not eating the right things, it declines faster. So it declines a slow level or it can go really fast. Yes. And we let it decline fast in our society. That's just one testosterone, just one example. Yes. Okay? And as that goes down, inflammation goes up and illness goes up. But the wear and tear we have on our body is pretty much just the, you know, the things, the accumulated little things that we've done wrong to our body mm. over the 30, 40, 50, in my case, 60 plus years. And, you know, I, I did a lot of partying. Yeah. I think from probably too early, 17 yeah. through to um, uh, probably about 40. Yes. And uh, a little bit too much of that. And yeah. as a result, hey, I have no doubt. So I have to put more effort into, yes. you know, making sure that the damage I did. You'll pay the piper. Yeah. And, I, you know, I injured my knee at basketball. I had two operations. I'd said I'd never walk or play sport while I play sport and walk 45 years on um, because I know that I have to keep doing it to keep doing it. Yes. And so aging, as much as physical, though, is mental attitude. Right. And I know people in their... 60s who act, feel, and behave and like an 80-year-old. And I know people in their 80s who act, feel, and behave like a 50-year-old. Yeah. And that's where it comes down to, understanding that you don't have to age like everyone else around you. And we're great at comparing ourselves. I have these friends who are oh, yeah. on, 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 on the edge of diabetes, diabetes and they go, oh, yeah, but you know, um, I'm better than them. I go, but are you the best you can be? And the answer is, oh, do I have to? No. So, you know, yeah. we always compare ourselves to someone a bit worse off so we feel good about ourselves. Yeah, and, that's like making your ego feel good. Yeah, hey, I'm okay. You know, I'm only on two medications. I'm only on three medications. I've only got diabetes, you know. What's crazy for me when it comes to health is that all of these conditions are totally avoidable. Yes. When I say totally, let's go 99%. Yes. And 99% reversible. Yes. 99% reversible. But the people who work in the sickness industry, not, I work in the health industry. Yes. The medical fraternity to work in the sickness industry. Yes. They don't understand health, well-being, nutrition. I heard someone on the radio yesterday, a, um, a health specialist, a health expert giving advice, and I cringed. I cringed. Why? Oh, well, they were saying, how, how go on a low-fat diet um, and get out of the sun. Uh, you know, one of the best things you can do for your, your body is increase the amount of fat. Better fats, healthier fats, but increase yes. the amount of fats. And get off the carbs and get off the... Um, and they, they, in fact, um, this, the, people have heard about the keto diet or an advanced paleo diet. Mm. I'll tell you about the opportunistic diet later on. Yeah. But the keto diet is brilliant. I don't have a vested interest in it. It's brilliant. First of all, for, for epileptics, and it's been a treatment for epileptics for 30 years because wow. it rebalances the, the messages going to the brain. But as a result of that, they found out it's great for diabetes, great for weight loss, great for hypertension, great for, hold on, just about every single form of chronic disease. And this is high fat, high protein. Mm. Wow. And getting off the processed carbs. 
Mm. Wow, you can do it. Yeah, and add in the supplements I talk about and the lifestyle factors. You know, it's um, health is simple, but the medical sickness industry complicated. Here's a, a quote I put up on one of my blogs. Um, the medical industry literally um, uh, uh, trains people to be on drugs for the rest of their life. Mm. Um, they treat the symptoms, they don't treat the illness. See, I can lower cholesterol with a drug, but it actually doesn't reduce your risk of a heart attack or stroke. Right. Cholesterol has become the illness. Because you knocked out the symptom, not the cause. Yeah, you're dealing with symptoms. Now the same with blood pressure, uh, and I was, I thought blood pressure was the holy grail. Oh, you know, I, I won't go to blood pressure, the blood pressure meds are so good and so on. And I looked at the results, because in COVID-19, you know, this, this illness we have now, this, mm. this uh, political pandemic, <laughs> um, uh, I looked into it because I thought, you know, the single biggest risk factor for, for COVID is hypertension. So I thought it was the drugs at first, and I looked into them. Then I, I found out that the drugs, if you take a, a drug, you get 100 people to take the blood pressure drugs, and this is all science. I'm a scientist. I go to the studies, not the media. I don't read the media. Yeah. I don't read the papers. I don't watch the not news. Scientists. It's 50% it's wrong, and the other, the other 50% is lies. Um, it's just a waste, okay? Yeah. And people are always telling me, oh, where did you learn this? And I go to the journals. Here they are. Here's the copies. So coming back to hypertension, and I thought, well, if 100 people, the studies show that if you get 100 people to take the medication for four and a half years, you reduce one heart attack. Yeah. What? So you may reduce blood pressure by 10 millimeters of mercury, or I'll say 10 points or 12 points, okay? Yeah. It works at doing that, but it doesn't get the underlying issue, which is inflammation and oxidation. Hmm. So I, I cringe. Now I'm skeptical. So for the last six months, all I've been researching is blood pressure and COVID. Right. And just looking at that, and um, we'll get into that later. But, you know, again, going back, blood pressure, deal with it. You can deal with it nutritionally and lifestyle for, for 99% of the people out there. How much of this is one of the things why, we're, you know, I'm really interested to hear some of the detail that you've got to put forwards today. But how much of this also is a question of people actually taking responsibility for mm. their mm. own health and the belief that you can do that? Because, you know, we could deep dive into the, you know, the sinister world of the capitalistic drivers behind pharmaceutical industries and things like that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the premise on which all of that gets sold is this this amazing organism that you cruise around in, this body, um, is not good enough. And so therefore you need this thing to make it mm. work. And, and it, the moment to me, because I've seen this not just in health, but in, in many other areas through the 160 odd podcasts that I've done, is that um, as soon as you buy into that story, you disempower yourself. Mm. Whereas if you, if you decide, no, my body's pretty awesome, it does need a few bits and bobs to help it along the way, but are they pharmaceutical stuff or is that you know, everyday life stuff? Um, but that actually, I have to take a stand for my own sovereignty of my own body, yep. seems to be 
at the core of this because I know where we're going to go in this conversation. It's going to trigger people and it's going to trigger people because some of the things we're going to talk about are run contrary to what's been nicely packaged up in the media or told by their GP. And the triggering sometimes I find is because people don't want it. People don't want what you say to be right. Because if it is, then it means that the story that they have bought into before is wrong. And nobody likes to look stupid because we have that ego. Look, it's, it's, um, it's a catch-22. It's a vicious cycle. Um, people, there is no doubt. On, on the one hand, you've got people who have to take responsibility. Yes. But then you've got a system that says don't. Mm-hmm. And a system that promotes, go and see a doctor. Mm. We'll do it for you. Take the med. Yeah, we'll do it for you. We'll look after you and, and so on. And then you go to see these people who are of the held of the highest esteem. And don't get me wrong, we've got the best doctors in the world when it comes to burns, breaks and bacteria and emergency. And they uh, save people. They save lives. Yeah. And they've saved some of my family's lives, okay? They save lives. But when it comes to chronic illness, they've got no idea. Mm. They've got no idea and they are totally dependent on the pharmaceutical industry that's totally dependent on profit. So they're telling yeah. these people to, we'll look after you. And these people are then going to the system. Now, what we have to do is break into these people and say, hey, I'm sorry, you are responsible for your health. Yes. And we do, you know, we do 90 talks a year around the country. We get to about 10,000 people in front of us with our talks. And people get it. People get it because, you know, I break it down. What is it they get? Well, they get that it's their responsibility. But many of them are there because they've already been in this system for so long and they're getting worse. Yes. And the logic is, you know, my my logic is simple. If you're on one drug, fine. If you're on two, you're on the way downhill quickly. And if you're on three, well, have a look. One, two, three, how many? Yeah. You can be on on one drug for cholesterol. Mm. Um, You can be on one for... Hypertension, hold on, but if you've got um, resistant hypertension, you're on two or three. If you've got um, the next level of hypertension, you can be on five and it's not even managing it. Plus the cholesterol, you can be on five or six drugs for something that's not going to reduce your risk of a heart attack or stroke. Hmm. And the side effects of... (laughs) The side effects of those are crazy. Things like weight gain, uh, arrhythmia, heart arrhythmias, increased risks of cancers, increased... And people don't get it. So my, my message is, look, there is the time for pharmaceuticals, for acute. Yeah. So if I Trauma, injured, if injury. I, yep, if I injured my shoulder, um, I'd want to be in there, get an X-ray, X-rayed in, put some, uh, some cortisol cream, a yep. cortisol injection in there to relax it and calm it yep. so that my body can then heal. But my body does the healing. That just enables me to, for my body to do it. Yeah. That's where the medicines are fantastic. Yes. And, and so what we've got to do, and in, I do in these talks, is say, look, you are responsible. And, in the, and, and it's not just responsible, you are essential mm. to educate people around you. Because uh, I forgot the, the owner of the, the saying, but you know, all, all it takes for evil to thrive, or all it takes for the pharmaceutical companies to make a lot more profit, is for all good men and women to do nothing. So if we sit exactly. back... And there are thousands of me's around the world. There are, Hmm. I know scientists around the world saying exactly the same as I do. Give or take, because science isn't pure. You know, there's there's all variations on it. There's media people, Pete Evans, love him. He's got the message, well, he's got most of the message right, okay? Um, and, And there are a lot of people out there doing this and saying this, 
but the media come, keeps coming back and hammering and the, the, the pharmaceutical and the medical industry. Um, and nobody out there is saying, in the system we've got, look after your health. There was an interview just yesterday about decaying bodies, you know, midlife crisis, 45. Um, I'm not sure what midlife crisis is now. Midlife crisis, I think for me, is about 60. So I've just hit midlife, okay? And- um, Well, there's two. Pardon? <laughs> there's, there's a, my understanding is there's two, one about 40, one in your latter 50s. And, and so, you know, these, these people that were saying, you know, we've, we, you know what, what, what do we do and, and, and things. And, um, you know, they were talking about arthritis. They, they both had arthritic, arthritic foots and one was 40 and one was 45 or something. Mm. And I'm going, you're joking. Why don't you fix it? Arthritis is linked to the gut. Nobody came on and said you can do something about it. Or if they did, eat more fruit, veggies, nuts, beans, spices, supplement, you know. Um, go to a good osteopath or chiropractor. See your physio, you know. No one even mentioned that. And I'm cringing. I'm cringing going, come on, in what world do we live that people can't make a link between their state of health and what they do to themselves? Mm. So all we've got to and do... That's a key yep. thing. And what's, because... what's critical in many people, though, is where do they start? Yes. Where do they start? And they want yeah. that one place... And, and I tell them, start in the gut. Yeah. Because it, it, it is overwhelming. Yes, yes. When all of a sudden, even if you get close to that epiphany drop, I mean, I think you just beautifully put it in the fact that, you know, there, there is the blunt injury trauma, mm. burn scrapes, cuts, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else in Australia, you know, because yeah. if something happens, you know you've got the best yeah. people in the world. But then the rest... Is, is not things that just turn up. They just, yeah. bit by bit, by bit, by An bit, accumulation by bit, of negative lifestyle and diet factors. Yeah, and that is what's confronting. So therefore, all of a sudden, if you're sitting there, say for instance, me, 45 years old, and I have that epiphany drop, how do I start unwinding that? And yeah. That becomes overwhelming. I suppose that some of it is recognizing some of the things that, I've done to contribute mm. and then working out what are some of the things I can do to replace the, or yeah. do better. Yeah. Well, it, it is. It's about turning around and saying, what do you want? And a lot of people go, well, if I can't live, if you call living, having, not being able to walk properly or do the things you want to do, fine, that's not living for me. Mm. I, you know, I, I love going down the beach on a warm day and going for a walk and a swim and a, and, and enjoying it and, and coming back, stretching on the beach, coming back. And that to me is living and just breathing and deep breathing and just enjoying it. That is real living. It's not, it's not about having the, 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 the process take away foods. Mm. You know, I know people who, who just focus on the, 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 the quality of life based on their junk foods. Yeah. And I'm talking about 30-year-olds who are dying. They're dying and no one's doing anything about it. They come to me because all of a sudden... They come to one of my talks because all of a sudden their, their health conditions are so serious. Mm. They've got what's called um, inflammatory bowel disease, which is they, at, the, at the simplest way to understand it, they can't be more than 30 minutes away from a toilet or less, mm. 10 minutes away. 
but a lot of pain and suffering goes with that. And yes. it can be 24-7, it can be peaks and troughs, it can be a whole raft of things, mm. it can be you know, blood in the stools, it's all of these conditions, and ends up with fatigue and just general body malaise and anxiety and tension and stress and all the mental health issues that go along with the gut problems. Mm. And these people come to the talks because the medical industry puts them on chemotherapy uh, at really heavy dose chemotherapy, which says after three months, you've got to stop it because you know, prolonging the use of it any longer will kill you. That's the side effects. Mm. And so they come to me and say, well, you know, what do we do? So I give them basics. I give them 50 cent solutions, really simple things to start with. Yeah. You know, and it comes back to, first of all, diet. Yeah. Diet, diet, diet. And a mental attitude, I, I probably won't go into the mental attitude, but I've done yeah. a lot of work on that. You know, the positive... Not the, hey, everything works out. It doesn't. Shit happens to everybody. Yes. It's how you look at the shit. For me, it's manure from a garden. And don't worry, yeah, I've been in some of the worst stuff I think anyone can go through. And yet I come out on the other side. It might be a while. It might be weeks. It might be months. It might be even years. Mm. Uh, okay. But you come out. So, man, but coming back to it, there are some really simple strategies. And people don't get it. They don't get it. So when that talks, they say, here it is, 50 cent strategy. If you've got reflux, um, do, um, uh, do a little bit of apple cider vinegar. Now it's only gonna help one in 10, but that's one in 10 that's gonna cost you five cents a day. And yeah. you have it with a meal, mixed, diluted with water. They're all strategies, okay? Yeah. And then you can do the sodium bicarb. The sodium bicarb is totally different. You do the, and then there's this, this, and this, and then you add this, and this, and this. And it comes to probably, oh, oh geez, almost 50 cents for the day. And people walk away and go, I've got 10 things I can do, I'm gonna start. Yes. And I've had an email two weeks, two days later saying, thank you. I've had reflux for the last 20 or 30 years. Yep. And it's gone. And all I did was give them what is well established in the scientific literature. And that's one easy one. The other 90% are a lot tougher, but there's a lot of things you can do. Yeah. So I get people started and... I give them the information. I'm passionate about tracking down evidence-based. Um, and if I give you an example with reflux, and 25% of Australians suffer reflux, okay? The older you get, the more. But it happens in about uh, 8, 10% of kids. Infants, infants, that's called a combination of colic and reflux. Yep. Colic is just a definition by pain and discomfort. Yeah. Reflux is the actual condition that may be causing it in many cases. Um, and and um, you know, 25% have reflux. And uh, there are studies out there, I think last count, I don't know, 500, good studies demonstrating that here are simple strategies that don't just reduce it, but outperform the drugs and stop it. Hmm. And there's another 10,000 showing other things you can do that you know, haven't been studied enough and so on. And people go, wow, same with blood pressure. You know, I couldn't get over it, um, hibiscus tea. Here's a handy hint, because again, you know, probably 30, 40% have high blood pressure, 20% do something about it, um, go to the drug, get on the drugs and so on. Um, hibiscus tea has been demonstrated to outperform the drugs. Wow. And I think the hibiscus tea that I got from my local Asian shop cost me $5, and that was three years ago when we still got you know, enough to keep us going for another year or two. Mm. But not only did it outperform the drugs, but it had positive other side effects. And then 
when I looked it up... Because of the chemistry of the hibiscus. Yeah, it's going back and dealing with the inflammation and the oxidation and the underlying causes of all illness. Hmm. But then I thought, well, how many... So I collected 50 studies in two hours on hibiscus tea and blood pressure. Don't tell me there's no science out there. These are scientifically studied, peer-reviewed papers. Yep. And some of them are light on, and some of them are really powerful. Yes. And for me, it's really simple. You look at that, you know, you look at the um, body of evidence. Not just how good the studies are, but how many are showing it. And, uh, you know, I look at it and I, I cringe. So why isn't everyone on, on hibiscus tea? Uh, oh, some people might say, I, I don't like it. Well, I tell them, grow up, you know. Get over it. Yeah, get over it. <laughs> Learn to like it. Um, you know, other, other things. Uh, green tea is a, probably a, a two to three millimeter, a two to three points for blood pressure, okay? Green tea, just drinking my cup of green tea every single day. Uh, it's all, by the way, also anti-reflux. It's also anti-COVID. What? See, all these things work in line. Harmoniously. They all work together. Correct. And so I base my day around eating really well, and then sometimes I'll splurge, but that splurge I enjoy. That's a holiday, not, a de- not yeah. your home. Um, uh, I cringe when I see that, you know, we're having kids nowadays growing up and they're having two takeaways a day. One takeaway a week's okay. Yeah. Do you get it? One takeaway. Oh, but that's normal. Yeah, normal is illness and sickness at 20 now and 25. Yeah, normal. Um, but aren't we living longer? No, no. For the first time in history, the US two years yeah. ago published a studies to show that their age expectancy, life expectancy is going down. Mm-hmm. Now what you have to do is understand life expectancy isn't how long you're going to live, but it's how long the people who were born 80 years ago are going to live. Yes. So all of a sudden the people who mm. should be living to 80 are now living to 79. And in five years' time, it'll be the people who should be living to 79 will be living to 75. And I have no doubt that our life expectancy will get down to, unless we deal with the underlying issues, our life expectancy will get down to 70. And you've also got to understand that's averages. So when I live to 120, hmm. vibrantly and dynamically, you're, you're going to be the... Uh, I'm going to be pushing be that life expectancy up. <laughs> yeah, single-handedly. Yeah, single-handedly. By the way... <clears throat> The, the, the whole thing about life expectancy is interesting because people think they're going to live to 80. Well, uh, life expectancy is determined by the average. And the single biggest factor in life expectancy was hygiene and yeah. water hygiene and plumbing. And plumbing. Plumbing. And as soon as they introduced chlorination in water and all those factors about 110 years ago yeah. around the world, the number of deaths... In childhood, yeah. in childhood, so these were the kids dying in the zero to two, three age, mm. which would skew the average <laughs> right down that way, started living long, you know, they lived till 30 or 40 or 50. So all of a sudden, the average went up just because, they, now, we are living longer. We've always had people to live to 100, always, mm. or 500 in the Bible, I think, you know, something like that. Yeah. But we've always had people live longer. We do have more, but now that is starting to turn and go down. And that's because 50 years ago, we moved to um, a much more processed diet and lifestyle. Yep. Um, 
what was probably the best time in human health history has now rounded the corner and we will see those ramifications now and in the future. Remember, it's what the people- And how would they show up? Yeah, I, I, had, a, I had a friend, um, and you know, one, one of the interesting things about the people who are now living to 80 and 90, they still eat pretty well what they ate back then. Um, <clears throat> except for maybe too many biscuits and treats and things, but they were brought up on veggies. Yes. And so their constitution or their resi health resilience mm. in those first 30 years, which is so critical. Just under just, meat and two veg. Oh, well, it, was, it wasn't even well, meat. Yeah. Wasn't even one meat in, in the 80 years ago. Yeah. You know, that was a, that was a luxury. Mm. <laughs> you know, uh, going through as a kid, you know, it was a meat and um, I think three or four veg. And we lived on fruit. And yes, I had too much cordial and too many lollies and so on and things like that. You know, that was the first generation of having those luxuries. But now those luxuries are seen as everyday parts of life. You know, McDonald's is normal. And McDonald's, I, 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 you know, McDonald's and all the takeaway foods are COVID food. <laughs> they are COVID foods. And if people don't get this, oh, mm. how can you say that? Oh, sorry, the studies are there. There's 31, last week there was 31,000 studies on COVID-19 done in the last five, six months alone. Mm. Okay, get that now. So what do the, these foods contribute to inflammation, heart attack, strokes, diabetes, we all know that. And they yep. also cause a collapse in your gut microbiome and a collapse in your immune system. And the only reason people are dying from heart attacks, strokes, yeah, there are a few percent that, that you know, um, there's some genetics involved and there are uh, stresses and environmental factors involved without mm -hmm. any doubt. But the vast majority of all of these conditions, including COVID, is diet and lifestyle related. And so all we've got to do is change it. And one of the greatest opportunities, I think, in modern history is COVID. So you can look at it and go, wow, Explain people are dying. Or you can say, wow, okay, now particularly in Australia, now that we know what is causing the deaths in COVID, mm -hmm. we know it. Again, there's, there's a thousand studies on it. So that's the <clears throat> inflammation from food. Well, where, where the studies yeah. are coming from, what yeah. the first studies did was, first of all, they identified, and this was in Italy in particular in China, that the first risk factor was elderly. And that yeah. was not just the 70s, that was over 80s. Mm. That was the over 80s. So in Italy, the average age of the deaths, and that was a second country, if you remember, that was a second country that was covered in COVID. Um, the average age of deaths in COVID was something like 83 or 82. Yeah. That's the average age. And uh, if you look at the facts, I was listening to some of the facts yesterday in Australia. Um, four people have died in Australia in the last two or three days, uh, mm. and the youngest was 80. Hold on. So then the studies came out to show that it was linked with hypertension, high blood pressure, and diabetes. Hypertension probably being a little bit more important than diabetes, but diabetes. Now, their two diseases go hand in hand. So if you've got one, you have a pretty good chance you've got two. If you've got the two, you're, well, you're a pretty good chance you're a high risk of COVID. Yeah. Okay. Then they discovered that there are other things and what they... What they um, well, you say high risk of COVID, <clears throat> high risk of... Getting, getting the disease. Right getting the disease, suffering from it, and mortal, uh, morbidity, suffering from it, and dying. Yeah. And the figures are somewhere between 10 to 100 times more. Yeah. That's how huge it is. Wow. 
Okay. This is why I cringe when I, people say the media, oh, we, we haven't found this. I'm sorry, the studies are there and the politicians aren't picking it up and the health professionals, sickness industry, aren't picking it up. You know, the chief medical officer, health officers in Australia should be saying, we now know what it is. Uh, here it is. Let's isolate the 4% who are at highest risk. Let's give them high dense nutrients and da -da -da, all those things that we know are going to reverse the underlying causes. And let's get the economy back on going. And mm. this is the biggest opportunity to tell everyone, get off the junk foods. Yeah. Junk foods is once a week, once a fortnight. Stop consuming the shit. Yep, stop consuming that junk food shit. It's killing you immediately now with COVID and start eating and start eating fruits, nuts, veggies, beans, spices, throw in your meat, more fish, all of those fine. But we don't. So then we've come back and the, the latest studies, getting back on track, then it showed obesity and obesity is a major risk factor. Mm. And of course, then, that obviously obesity, hypertension, and diabetes type two go hand in hand. Then they've gone down, and they're the three major factors. With the obesity one, the the the, the most interesting studies have been showing that um, kids, now infants and children, hmm. are, are, and this was the same with the earlier SARS, what, what's called um, COVID one, yeah, or COVID twelve, which is back in. 2012 and yeah. the MERS, these are the other similar SARS, virus, MERS, coronaviruses. Yeah. Um, kids aren't very susceptible. Yes. And they, they, they looked at it and they found, and in China, uh, in the first three months or something, not one child died from COVID. Now, children have started dying around the world, but the numbers are so minuscule, it's hard to do the stats on it. Now, there are a number of reasons, the psycho, the social factors, like kids are isolated, they don't travel, they don't get out to the shopping centres and, and parents are keeping them home. But the kids who have shown up at hospitals don't die. Mm. So the deaths, there are just no deaths mm. or extremely low. And then a couple of deaths started to show up, particularly when they got to the US in children. And so they looked at it and the single biggest factor for kids' deaths is obesity. Wow. Obesity, it comes back to that. But they don't have hypertension yet. Well, they're not measuring. They don't have diabetes mm. yet. No, what, hold on. Sorry, what is hypertension? Just so I'm clear. Hypertension is high blood pressure. Right. And high blood pressure, um, two years ago, used to be uh, above 140 mm. on 80 or something. Um, five, three or four years ago, it was changed to 130. And now they say 120. Hold on. High blood pressure is coming lower and lower. Yeah, more people are on the drugs. It's a great way to make money. Yeah, I'm cynical here, okay, but they come come back. So we worked out obesity. So as the, as the you know the fourth major risk factor. Um, and 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 there, again, there's 300 studies linking obesity with that. But the most powerful ones were in for, in kids. It was, yeah. Well, I was under 25 because there were virtually no deaths. And the, and then the next factor that's shown up is smoking. Yeah, an obvious one. You know, um, something like 16% of Australians still smoke. By the yeah. way, um, just to prove that I'm a scientist, I published the results in Western Australia back, geez, yeah. 20 years ago that led to the government report banning smoking in Western Australian clubs and pubs. Right. I did the paper. I yeah. did the research. I did, my team did the measuring and monitoring, we put the paper together, we gave it to the government and the government banned it. That's where, okay, so understand 
I'm a, I'm a summer scientist, so yeah. we did the research. And those were the days when I spent a little bit of time in the lab. Now it's just on the journals. But coming up, coming back, we know smoking. And so then we look at all that and we go, what are the characteristic features of this? Well, all of those conditions are the chronic health conditions that we typically suffer and accept and put people on the drugs yep. and say, don't worry about it, you'll be right. Yeah, it'll get worse in five or 10 years and your leg will have to have an operation in 20 years. Yeah, but we'll that's worry okay. about it then. Yeah, don't worry about it then because they'll have better operations and they hmm. can stick a, a new leg on for you. A know? new drug. <laughs> and, uh, um, and I go, the underlying cause of all this is two factors that link together. One is inflammation. Yep. And I've mentioned that a few times. And yep. inflammation is what our immune system sets up as a way of protecting us. So if you get a virus, you've got inflammation, you get really hot, yep. okay? You'd get red everywhere or, or a cut, and it gets inflamed, inflammation, inflamed. Yep. It's almost like the burning to get rid of the, the nasties in there. Yes. And as a result, it's fantastic, and it works short-term brilliantly. But when you've got, when you smoke, when you're obese, when you um, are, are diabetic, all of those mm. conditions, yeah. you have, um, chronic inflammation all the time, low level, well established, well established, thousands, tens of thousands of studies showing that, okay? That's how much there is on it. Yes. And it shows you've got chronic inflammation. So the drug companies go, well, oh, good, we'll give you some anti-inflammatory drugs. Aspirin is a good example. Yes. Um, which, by the way, comes from the willow plant originally, mm -hmm. the willow bark. Most drugs do. Even cholesterol meds, the statin drugs, come from uh, red rice yeast originally. Yeah. But we can't use it. They're herbs. Wow. But you're mimicking the same chemistry. <laughs> exactly. I have done two <laughs> podcasts with a herbalist up in Gijiganov who's just uh, been talking about exactly the same. And thing. what they do is that what they do is they destroy it because they take the active ingredient with all the other super active ingredients around it, the things yes. that help support it. And they isolate it because they can then patent it and make a drug. Coming coming mm. back to it, so we know inflammation. So what's the best thing for inflammation? Well, there's there's um there's a, a group of researchers around the world who came up with the uh, Inflammatory Dietary Index, IFD. Yeah. And if you just go into PubMed and Google that, look in, you know, do a research on it, it'll come up with a thousand plus studies. Hmm. And it's been linked, what they've been able to show is that the foods highest in inflammation, e.g. processed foods, yep. um, have the highest risk of every single form of chronic illness. Every single form totally. of chronic illness. And so many studies on it. And so the, the more of the junk foods, processed foods you eat, the higher the risk of all these illnesses, mm. all types of cancer, all types of, you know, this is what I was researching. I wrote a book on this called Overcoming Illness. Yes. All about inflammation. Um, did you get that? That's a plug, by the way. So, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and, and um, I put it all together. And the studies on it, you know, there's a thousand easy. I get a thousand in... In, in a day just showing the foods you eat lead to inflammation. Mm -hmm. Stress does, environmental pollutants do, other things can along the way, but that's causing, and that is the underlying mm. cause of your immune system being almost exhausted, run down, mm. and overreacting to the wrong things. Mm -hmm. And so when the virus comes in, it sets up. See, you don't die of the COVID virus, for example, you die of what's called an inflammatory cascade. Right. And the virus gets in there, it gets into the cells, it reproduces and sets up inflammation. Your body then responds to it hmm. and it over responds. 
It yeah. says, we're going to get rid of the virus. We're going to get rid of the virus. We're going to get rid of the virus. Because you're not doing the better. You've got to get rid of the virus. And so all of And literally, you've got this vir the, the inflammation mm. that's taking over. Now, similarly, the virus can lead to a bacterial infection, and pneumonia. Okay? And as a result, you've got the two going and inflammation going everywhere. And you die from excess inflammation triggered by the fact that your inflammation was high in the beginning. That's yes. a simple way to put it. Yeah. I could go into it if you like, but that's a simple way yeah. to put it. So if we can lower the inflammation, yes. which we can because the dietary inflammatory index says you can, yep. and eat, guess what? Fruits, nuts, veggies, seeds, beans, and supplement with potent anti-inflammatories like your turmeric. Yes. Um, you know, enhanced turmeric products. Yeah. Enhanced turmeric products. Um, your grapeseed extract, your uh, herbs and spices, all of them. Um, or, or, or your, all your essential oils. They're potent anti-inflammatory. And by the way, I don't have a vested interest here. Um, yeah. I'm just telling yeah, people... Because nobody's got shares in nature. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, it's, it's, I sell information. That's what I do. Yes. And I get it from the journals. And so we can... At this point, as I said in the beginning, we are at the, this pinnacle of, of being able to get across to people. If you want to reduce your risk of COVID, stop eating the processed, ultra-processed foods. Yeah. Stop eating it. Yeah. Because what that leads to is malnutrition. Overfed, undernourished. So in Western countries, overfed, undernourished. And we are malnourished. Yeah. Now, I'm going to take a, a little sidetrack, which I always do. Yeah. And... If we go and just look at um, uh, third world countries, why mm. are there so many deaths in developed countries that don't necessarily have processing, food process? Well, because they're actually undernourished, underfed and undernourished. Yes. You know, there's um, uh, uh, however many hundreds of millions of people around the world who don't get enough food mm. and importantly, enough nutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, the antioxidants, mm. because so they're, they're not necessarily they, suffering from the inflammation aspect, but they're just being undernourished. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it's the opposite to the places mm. like America and Australia, where we're overfed and undernourished. They're underfed and undernourished. Mm. But we're overfed with all this junk. Overprocessed, over, over ultra, they, in the journals, they call it the ultra processed foods. And the studies out of the US are showing that um, over 80% of the diet is now ultra-processed foods. Not processed, ultra. Hmm. And the Australians are going the same way. Yes. The vast majority of the packaged food is, is things. So my message to your listeners is, first of all, share this information. Because if you, if you don't share it, uh, it won't get out there. Because it yep. won't be in the media. Um, it won't be in the politician's handbook. Uh, and it won't be in the, in the health authority's pay, pay book from the drug companies. Hmm. So my message is share it. Second of all, act on it. Act on it. Look up inflammation. Yep. Learn about inflammation. Um, uh, go on and check out those alternative blogs, you know. I know people have said, oh, 5G and so on. I have a problem with 5G, but that's not causing COVID. Yeah. You know, all these other people saying this, no, no, no. No, because the studies are clear. Yes. Um, Right at this moment, as I said, I can produce a thousand studies. Yeah. Um, I, I think there was something like 300 also linking just diabetes mm. um, uh, and, and, and COVID. Now, on the COVID, diabetes, all these, if I give you an example, vitamin D, the sunlight vitamin. Yeah. Australians don't get enough vitamin D. Which is and vitamin D, vitamin D really, is the single best supplement you can take for COVID. 
Mm. Now, what's interesting is all of the all of the um, nutritional companies around the world have had peak demand, so the public know it. They sold out of mm. all of their supplements, all of them, all the big chemists and nutritional all sold out of their vitamin C and their vitamin D during the peak of COVID in Australia and around the world. Do you know why? Because the public are listening to people out there, not the media. Yeah. And not, you know, there's, there's someone in the media saying, oh, vitamin D won't help. There are, there, are, there are hundreds and hundreds of studies linking vitamin D to being a critical nutrient in your immune system. Yeah. Now, as I've said, your immune system protects you from the virus and protects you against the virus once you've got it. Yes. So the degree of your suffering and risk of death is determined by literally your immune system. Hmm. So you can understand why vitamin D, one alone. Yeah. Vitamin C. I take three Just grams of vitamin C alone. Just before we hop vitamin C, how much time in the sunshine would be, are we talking 10, 20, 30 minutes? No, as much as you can get. No, but I'm saying as much as you can get. Yeah, get yeah, out as much there. as you can get. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in for. I'm gonna go see my osteopath because uh, you know I just want a rebalancing of my body. Yeah. Um, uh, and and uh, I'm gonna walk in there. I'm gonna mm. walk in there with a t-shirt. And in summer, I get hours every day. Yes. Every day that I can. I, I mean, it's winter. Uh, get out as much. Um, again, simple concept. Skin cancer is caused by not sunlight. Sunlight is a factor. Skin, yep. light, sunlight, skin cancers are caused by inflammation. Sunlight can be a factor, but also diet. Hmm. So uh, a good example of that in your immune system, how it all links, is if you're on uh, immune suppressants of any sort, you dramatically increase your risk of skin cancers. Yep. Hold on, but I haven't been out in the sun. Guess what? Your immune system is constantly, like the virus, is constantly fighting cancers every single day. And so it fights them off. Vitamin D is important for it, so you need to get the sunlight. Don't sunburn. Yeah. So fair skin, minimal. You know how much you can spend out there in the sun. Uh, dark skin, longer. Um, they're finding that the biggest spreads around the world were in winter, which is what Australia's just gone into. So Melbourne will find it a lot harder to control right now hmm. because it's winter. And they've been locked up. And they've been locked up inside. Yeah. So... Guess what? You'll find Queensland and WA, even though we've isolated better, we have better results. Why? Because people, there's, you know, it's a winter's day in the, in the middle of, uh, in Perth, in the middle of winter, and there's a beautiful day today. 21 degrees, um, a bit chilly at night, but I get out and get sunlight. Yep. And so we've got a lot more sunlight. So coming back to it, inflammation is the key trigger. Yep. Now, what's driving it? One is poor nutrition. Yes lack of nutrients. Two, it's your gut health. Right. Because around about 80% of your immune system sits around your gut. Yep. So that 80% of your immune system sits there. So if your gut's unhealthy, it's triggering a constant inflammatory illness. Right. And that's why you end up with inflammatory bowel disease, inflammatory um, uh, uh, irritable bowel disease, in, in flat, all these gut conditions, and we're talking 20, 30% of the population. Then you've got reflux. And reflux is an inflammatory illness. So the first thing mm. when people say, how do I fix reflux? Lower your inflammation. Because then you get to the underlying causes. Mm. And then it may be a food allergy, a reaction, an intolerance to a food. 
It may be that they're, you know, something else, but lower the inflammation. And then you get to the underlying conditions. Um, arthritis, inflammatory condition. Yep. Dozens and dozens, hundreds of studies on inflammation and arthritis and, and diet and arthritis. And these people are locked into having their arthritis for the... Oh, I had my knee totally ripped apart and reconstructed when I was 18, 19. Um, I was told I'd never be able to do anything on it. Post 60, I still can. Why? <laughs> I, have, I have arthritis and I have no pain. I don't have the inflammation which triggers the pain, which triggers the arthritis, which exacerbates it and makes it worse. Mm. So, you know, what is it? And will it cause a problem later? Yeah, obviously, because it's a wear and tear we talked about earlier on in the Yeah, program. yeah, yeah, you know? which is the actual mechanics. You know, the mechanics, there's damage. I don't have a cartilage and I've got bone on bone and, you know, my yeah. body's doing the best it can. However, coming back to it, it's gut. So when people say, where do I start? Well, the first one is, there's a, we've got a group called Gut Health Australia on Facebook. And it's 16,000 people, mostly Australian, 99%, hmm. um, posting their studies and stories. I post the studies and they post the stories and their questions. And um, so I'll, I'll put two, maybe 10 studies a week up there so people can see what I'm talking about is factual. Yeah. Um, about inflammation and I'll say inflammation and then people go, oh, okay, so what do I need to do? And then people will post a story and people, someone will say, I've got reflux, what do I do? Mm. How do I take this? Whereas there's another, other groups over in the US called reflux and stuff and all they do is talk about their medications. Yeah. All they do is talk about their medications. 99% of their stuff is medication. So mine is solution-based. Gut Health Australia, solution-based. Mm. But when you understand the gut, you understand that it's linked with all illness. So um, a gut dysbiosis or reflux, gut dysbiosis is when your bacteria and your fungi and viruses in your gut are out of balance. And you don't have enough variety, biodiversity. Hmm. You've got to have a rainforest in your gut. Yes. And um, uh, I'll, I'll diverge a minute, but the simplest way to get a rainforest is to get off the toxic processed foods and have the biggest diversity. Yes. Um, I've got a green smoothie over there and it's got 20 ingredients in it. That's my breakfast. Mm. 20 different ingredients. So coming back, your gut, we know the inflammation in your gut and the bacteria in your gut and the reflux all the way through your gut um, dramatically increases your risk of all of these chronic illnesses. Diabetes, hypertension risk of heart attack, stroke, cancers. And in the animal studies, and now in human case studies, where they've done one-on-one, -on -one, but in the animal studies, they've taken animals that are obese, uh, hypertense, diabetic, diabetic type two, um, and they give them the gut bacteria, the gut microbiome from a healthy group of mice, mm. or humans, in fact, humans, humans, and they transplanted to the mice, uh, and the mice get diabetes. Sorry, that from the healthy ones, their diabetes reverses. Yeah. And similarly, and, and their weight. So they get it from the skinny mice and put it in the fat mice, and the fat mice get skinny. Yeah. They put the fat mice microbiome into in the, the skinny, skinny ones, mice, and they get and the skinny diabetes. mice get fat. Yeah. So everyone's thinking, geez, look around the room for someone smart, intelligent, healthy, skinny, and swap their biome. Well, guess what? No. Do it yourself. Short term. <laughs> Do it yourself. Build it up slowly because. The research shows that what goes up must come down. And to transplant your poo, do a shit swap, your poo, you have to put it up from the bottom. 
they're getting tablets nowadays, but that turns me off a bit. Yeah. Tablets with poo in it. But coming back, um, feed it from above. Feed it from above. Hmm. The herbs, the spices. How many times do I have to say this? Herbs. Bryn, uh, you know, our, our definition of herbs in, in our Western culture is pepper and salt. Hmm. Great, both of them. Yeah. My, my definition is whatever I can get out of my garden. Yeah. I will walk down Time. the streets and I will chew on a lavender leaf, a rosemary leaf, a uh, nasturtium and flower, nasturtium leaves, um, and then uh, the oregano out of my garden and the thyme, and I'll make up this herb mix that goes on everything. And then I add in the other herbs and spices. And then we have the veggies. So any meal we have, it's like the traditional um, Indian curry. It isn't turmeric. It's a dozen different herbs and spices. Hmm. They knew, they didn't know why, but they knew that the diversity was critical. Hmm. Plants talking to them. Yeah. And so you've just got to have that biodiversity. So we know the gut, we know malnutritional, poor nutrition in in our society leads Hmm. to inflammation, which leads to all these diseases. The only problem is we get back to the politics and people will listen to this and some people go, wow, okay, I want to follow more. Oh, great. And other people go, oh, that's rubbish. Hmm. I don't mind what people believe. But remember, I'm basing mine on science and yours is an opinion. Opinions are like belly buttons. Everyone's got one. Yeah. And when somebody, we we had someone on the Gut Health Australia group saying, this is rubbish. So I asked him where he got his opinion from. He didn't reply. I put up 30 studies. Yeah. 30 studies to just show him. Um, And everyone else on the gut group says, you know, where are you getting this idea Dude. from, mate, for the other person? He dropped out. Yeah. In fact, you know. Let me ask you a question here because um, obviously you, you spe- there's two things here. One is you spend the time reading the articles. Yeah. And for somebody like myself who I have two science-based degrees, I understand that it's almost like another language to have yeah. to read and understand what they're actually saying you know um my ability to read psychology articles in psychology journals i was quite fit in those days i tried to read one recently and i got fatigued after 20 oh, minutes yeah um because i had to engage my brain in another manner so you obviously have the capacity to read and digest the information and obviously you 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 have the the space and time to do that now it strikes me that there's almost been uh, an abuse and misuse of science, particularly of recent, because science at times becomes this, I've likened it to, it's a new religion, whereby, well, a scientist said, and so we all bow down and Mm. we all go do, you know, and you could cynically say, well, that's what's happened with COVID-19 and, and, and the models that came out of Imperial College and all of that sort of stuff. Yet, as we, as we know, there are, there are smart people whose heart's in the right place. They're doing good research all the time and then it's going into journals. I, for one, was amazed at the, the vast amounts of knowledge in psychology journals, which would be hugely applicable to the, the mental and emotional well-being yeah. of people on an everyday basis, but just barely any of that trickles through into permeate into everyday life. And and so we've almost got this misuse whereby 
scientists say, so we all bow down, go do. And then, you know, you only need somebody with like PhD written after their name and Dr. Mm. So-and-so, you pop them on a, pop them on a daytime TV program, give them 45 seconds to hit a few taglines. And that's like, oh, there you go. Mm. Um, yet the science has, you know, it's, it's, we have to remember it's an evolving evidence-based conversation, yep. almost like conversation. And, you know, the everyday person and a politician, but an everyday person hasn't necessarily got the time no. to, to no. do that. And so how do we reconcile that? Well, look, it's, it's Particularly yeah. when you, you know, if something's going in one direction, it only takes one media yep. or one thing to pull it all down. And you've been on the real blunt end of that. Um, to pull that down, kill credibility. Yep, and, absolutely. And for want of a better word, fuck it all over. Yep, yep. <laughs> so yep. how do we navigate our way through this? Because like what you're saying to me today about the inflammation and the herbs and the diet and this, and that and the other, I've heard from lots of sort of different sources. Um, what I say gels with you, doesn't it? It does. It yeah. absolutely gels yeah. with me. I've heard it from different, I've had it, I've been, like I said, I've been speaking to people, I've spoken about the gut bio mm. before, or I've listened about the gut bio before, I've listened about herbs, I've listened about, you know, making choices, taking responsibility from lots of different ways. But then it's getting, it's getting the information. It's, it's staying on top of what, it, where is the latest evidence-based conversation mm. heading? How can I give that a go in okay. a world? The, look, the, the, Do you the, see what I mean? Yeah, the key, it's, it's very complex, okay? It's very, I'm, I'm fortunate. Um, I was an academic at university. Yep. So I, apart from my two undergraduate degrees and my PhD, I then was a, a, um, an academic for 20 years, 21 years, and that enabled me to have a research team and to get all the research done in the areas that I wanted to. Yes. And it enabled me to develop the skills now, I don't have all the skill sets, so I read articles and I cringe. What are they talking about? You know, the deep biochemistry. What I'm interested in then is just the outcome. Yes. So the, the abstract of the abstract. And I read that. I yes. Read, okay, I can understand lots of it. And the bits I can't, well, then I go, what, what did they find at the end? Yeah, what was the conclusion? Yeah, what was the conclusion on the abstract? Yeah. So when I say, I, you know, yeah, on, what were on they a going day. going into test? What did they find? Yeah. And look, on a day, I'll, I'll, I'll read um, 30 or 40 abstracts and two papers. Yeah. The papers that I want to go into more depth, and yeah. but I'll read the abstracts. Yeah, and I'll collect those and I'll put them in my in my you know Your box file. of keeping things, and and then go off. And and so people go well, you know, where is the reliable evidence? Well, people traditionally have trusted the doctors. Doctors aren't researchers. Mm. They cannot keep up to date. No, I'm a full time researcher. I can do this because I'm semi retired. Uh, I can do this because. When, when I travel around the country, I write my books and I sell my books. Um, I can do this because I've got a few other little streams of income coming in. I can afford to do it this way. Yes. If I was 20 years of age, I couldn't. Mm. If I was 30 or 40, I couldn't. But, you know, now I can. So that enables me to do that. Now, the next thing to ask is, okay, what are the vested interests? Um, all of the drug companies... So, sorry, all of the studies on the, pharma, the benefits of pharmaceutical drugs have been done by drug company money. Hmm. And you can skew any study you want, the outcome of it and the results. So I read a study and it shows that 
it's reduced the risk of a heart attack by 1% over four and a half years. And the scientists say, and this is a huge impact. I'm going, 1% huge? Mm. Have an almond a day. Yeah. And you don't just get the benefit, but you have all the positive. So coming back. If I invested $10,000 and I got 1%, Return oh, on oh. investment, I would not class that as huge oh, and the from side, an economic the, point of view. The side effects are, but you know, or people go off the drugs because of the side effects. Mm. Um, but coming back to it, um, coming, coming back, yeah. So you look for people who don't have the vested interest. Health department has a vested interest, it's all linked to with politics. I've been in meetings with health department, they said we can't do this because politics, they're not allowed to say veggies. Um, you know, veggies are good, will reduce your risk of COVID. Because someone will say, show me the studies. Well, I can't show you the studies, but I can show you that veggies lower inflammation and inflammation is linked to COVID. Yeah. But hold on, but then I'll let her say that. And, you know, uh, and I can tell you that hundreds and thousands of studies showing that information, they're they're not allowed to. Now, why aren't they? Politics, politics. And I can tell you right now, they have more meetings with the pharmaceutical companies in Canberra and here than they do with the public on health. Hmm. It's called public health, but it's a pharmaceutical health. That's yes. the health department here and the top officials. Uh, I know, I've been there, I've had the meetings, I used to have meetings with them. The politicians used to like me a long time ago until I got uh, to, you know, I had delved into the areas that they didn't like and so yeah. on. So it, 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 it's... You look at those and go, oh, no, they're not your best interest. Your doctors have your best immediate interest at heart. They do. Yeah. They, they don't. You know, they're great people. I've got lots and lots of doctor friends. They're lovely people. And they help me out when I've got something that I need. Uh, so where do you get the information from? Well, the internet. Dr. Google is so much better. Yeah, get, get your diagnosis and get your information from your GP and so on. But when it comes to treatment, look it up. And then find out how many of these people are saying it. The weight of evidence. Yeah. Do you give credibility? So there's a guy, McCullough. Uh, I think McCullough's great. You know, I don't agree with him. You know, um, 10% of the time, but 90% of what he says, I think, and I agree with. Um, and there's some other people out there, uh, a couple of doctors, medical doctors out there, who have their websites, and they're publishing this stuff all the time. Find them. And if it listen to what I'm saying and if it gels look for what they're saying if they have inflammation and diabetes Mm. then follow them and get it from them and you'll see it varies a little bit from what I'm saying because we're all the different levels of our research yes so but find the people and the systems that you can trust now I'll have people again Mm. I'll come out and say I've got no credibility I don't mind I don't mind a person got a PhD an undergraduate degree or um, they're a gardener. If they go to the studies, they're bloody good. And they show the studies, not one, but as I said, just on gut group alone, I'll put up a dozen studies and another group I've got, natural health and healing, uh, I'll put up another dozen studies. So I speak with the studies and I give a little interpretation, you know, two-liner, three-liner yeah. for people to understand. And then they have a discussion and debate underneath it. So they get more interaction from other people. Um, and look at that. And we're talking, again, Gut Health Australia, we're talking uh, in just under two years, we've got seven, 16, I've forgotten. I think it's actually getting on to 17,000. Um, next week it'll hit 17,000 people. That's how many people are turning to mm. gut health. Mm. And 
they're coming from all directions, from arthritis and so on, because they want some information. They don't want the drug, the, the vicious cycle of the, the pharmaceutical drug takers. More people die from the, the legal drugs than the illegal drugs. Hmm. The opium abuse around the world, um, the, uh, the illegal opium abuse, painkiller abuse around the world. I know so many, I know people where it's destroyed their lives. Yep. Um, and it's okay, oh, we're controlling it, oh, yeah, to a degree. Uh, and it's just putting them on. You know, there are so many solutions out there and it's in the studies. Hmm. And so what we as a collective group of scientists are doing is just putting it out there. Yeah. And we'll run aground. We'll run aground but with all these vestiges. But I, I will literally turn around and say to the health department, let's have a debate on it. Yeah. Let's have a discussion, a public discussion. Let's get a, um, a reputable lawyer or a judge. They can be the... MC, yep. Okay, um, someone who can someone without a vested interest anyway. Yep. Okay, that has the concentration yep. span and the depth yep. of uh, a, a PhD, science degree, something, you know, something, and let's have a discussion on it, and let's get two pros and two cons, and discuss it. So you know, uh, and all I would do is mm. I would go in with a PowerPoint presentation, and I'd show here are the studies: study one, study two, study three, study yeah. four, study five, study six. Yeah. And they'll come in and say, um, well, no, you can't say that. But this is what the study says. Oh, no, but you can't say that. Well, this is what the study says. So, but nobody has ever taken me up. Uh, a long time ago, I did a radio interview on cholesterol medication. And the pharmaceutical company rang up. And they said, we'd like to give a different opinion. And the uh, Bob Mormel, it was, on 6PR. And he said, uh, no problems. You can come in next week, but Dr. Dingle will be here. And they go, no, we don't want to be, we don't want to have an interview with him. Because they'd know, I'd just say, well, okay, you said it's 30%, but out of 100 people, mm. how many people, how many heart attacks will it reduce? Uh, well, one study showed it was up to 1%. Uh, when you turn it into information that people can interpret, yes, then that's all I do. And... So they won't have a debate. They won't have a discussion. This COVID, it's crazy. Uh, again, well, is it crazy? It's, well, it's crazy because we know, we know, and I, I really hope there's a royal commission into it. I really hope we have a royal commission into the mm. deaths from COVID. But the rules aren't limited, and it says why, why did they die, and why that information wasn't made available to the public. Why isn't, you know, like I've said a few times already, people going out and saying, do you know that you can reduce your risk of COVID? And I've, I've done a hundred post blogs on that specifically by just improving your nutritional status. You know, why isn't somebody saying that? We could get the economy back going. Mm. But no, we want a disease economy. We want a sickness system mm. and we want, these people to be morbidly ill with their diabetes and heart attacks and high blood pressure instead of fixing the underlying problem. Yeah. Is there a, a panacea? Is there a silver bullet? No, there's not. It's a lifestyle and diet changes, but the information is so clear cut now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would just love that opportunity to like through here just yeah. to get that message out and say, okay, if you don't believe me, go to PubMed, pubmed.com, 
And that's the scientific journals. Yeah. Okay. And there are millions of them. And just put in vitamin D and uh, COVID. COVID or coronavirus or something like that. Yeah. See how many studies come up. Just click on one of them and just read that bottom conclusion. There'll be one to say it's not going to work. That's drug company sponsored. But there'll be 99 that say, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. You know, um, they did the, the, the vitamin D levels mm. in COVID victims. And they found that the, um, the, the lowest vitamin D levels had the highest mortality and the um, highest vitamin D had the lowest mortality. Mm. And what was good in science, what was good in this study, and the science showed it, that it was a, it was a dose-response relationship. Mm. In other words, the more vitamin D, the less mortality, morbidity, suffering, and death. And those who had the highest levels of vitamin D, which, by the way, isn't just vitamin D, it's an indicator of good nutrition. Mm. Okay, so understand that. People don't get it, but it's... Yeah. A, it's a, these a, links, isn't it? It's all, it's all linked together. And good gut health and yeah. low inflammation, it's all linked. This so, leads to that, yeah. which then leads to that, yep. which leads to that. And if there's a impairment, and it shows up, shows up, shows yep. up. So if you've got low vitamin D, you know, the, the impact... And by the way, the research shows if you've got diabetes, hypertension, and obese, you have low vitamin D. Oh, hold on. All of these, it all comes around, and it just keeps going around, that information. And I go, okay, how are we going to change it? And I just put up another post and another study. I can't keep up with the studies on it. That's how, how many there mm. are. There are over 100 just on vitamin D and you know COVID-19. How do you, as a person who's obviously driven to want to do good in the world reconcile that you put this stuff out and the and the 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 papers are there yet there's just this almost like quietness or blankness that gets me met with it i just hope yes i just hope i just hope these health officials and i just hope these politicians will begin to open up and be honest. Mm. I really do. Everyone says the politicians are lying. They don't even know because it's not fed to them and so on. But this information is now getting through. They have to. Yeah. The health department has to know about the role of vitamin D. They have to know. Mm. It's been in the papers. Yeah. You know, it's already in the papers. In the UK, in Ireland, in a dozen countries around the world, the governments are recommending go out and get vitamin D. Oh, geez, hold on. So, you know... Why aren't we? Because mm. Australia is only second to America in terms of the control that drug companies have over the health department. Yeah. Um, and it's scary. Yeah. It's scary. They have so much influence and you wonder what? They're trillion. They're the richest companies in the world. They have yeah. the most disposable income. They market most, most of it goes to the doctors in the system. And yes, they still get free trips and they still get bonus and, you know, and, uh, and, 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 and so on. But at the end, they've just got so much money. Um, I'm passionate. I just can't, I can't stand seeing people die and mm. suffer. Mm. Unnecessarily. Unnecessarily, yeah. Look, we have enough catastrophes like the fires around Australia and the floods around the world and all these other things um, to not, not introduce all these human-made ones, human mm. constructs. The pandemic, the virus is real, the pandemic is political. 
The spread around the world is political. Who's driving it? Well, you can be cynical and say there's, um, there's a lot of money involved, trillion dollars. How much has been invested in vaccines? You know, you know, vaccines, just a moment. I don't normally go there. But if you take the flu vaccine and you're over, I think it's 65, it's ineffective unless you take probiotics with it. That's what the studies show. Now, if you're under 65, mm. it is effective, but it doesn't stop you getting it. Mm. And it lowers the, the, the severity of it by a minuscule few hours of recovery time. And all this hype about it, you know, and the same with the hype about COVID-19 vaccine. Um, nothing will ever compare to good nutrition. Yes. Nothing. It's called evolution. The drugs have been here 50 years, evolution. Our evolutionary pathways have mm. been here for, for tens of millions of years. Yes. Hundreds of millions of years, if you want to go back that far. You know, three or four million since we've been upright semi-humans. Yeah. So, you know, it's all nutrition. There is no way around it. Mm. No drug can ever replace or will ever replace the nutrients you get for food. Nothing. And so when it comes to COVID, the single best fact that people can do is just build up their nutrition with all the foods they're eating, start supplementing, lots more is the better at this point in time. Yep. And, and, and that includes vitamin C, D. Yep. Oh, absolutely. And, and learn and learn and ask and ask questions. And when somebody says to you, um, oh, that's rubbish, just ask them, so where's your evidence? That's what I do. It shuts them up straight away. I read the paper. You know, nice where is it? So I'm driven and I always have been. That stuff I did on tobacco mm. smoke 20 years ago, I was doing a lot of research on tobacco smoke, the measuring, the monitoring, people's attitudes, how to increase the, you know, getting people off smokes. My study led to the banning of it in clubs and pubs. Did I get rich off it? No. Do you know what? I feel good about it. And every year I release new information about all of these things from people um, you know, gut health. If yeah. everyone, if everyone spent a dollar a day on gut health, there's something called K-fiber. Right. Okay. Now I have to declare a vested interest in this because I liked it so much after one year, I bought shares in it. Right. I'm a 0.001% shareholder. <laughs> right. So if you buy a packet, um, I, I don't make any money on it. <laughs> so you have to get the idea. Okay. I, but that's my take. It's such a good product. It's the best gut food you'll ever find. Right. Um, and it costs, um, I don't know, 20 cents or 50 cents a day. Yeah. It's a complete gut food. Mix of fibers, everything. That. Um, grind up all your nuts and seeds and eat more nuts and seeds. How simple. Um, uh, vitamin C, I take three grams a day. Uh, vitamin D, I have a little bit in the middle of winter. Most of the time I don't. D3, by the way. Vitamin D3. And none of these other ones I have any vested interest. Uh, and just get back to, you know, having as, as much, if, I don't know if you can see here, but this is a normal, a normal plate for us. That we've got two bowls of fruit yeah. and fruit in there and our plate. And I've got my veggie garden out the back and so on. And we just live on veggies and fruit. Yes, we have meat. I have meat. I eat meat. Yep. Um, because we are op what, what I call opportunistic eaters. And I love fish and I have fish, a bit of meat and a bit of fish every day, more fish than meat. Yeah. But, um, but it's all based around the fruit, nuts, veggies, beans, spices, herbs, and all those things.
Mm. So I practice what I preach. And you know what? I get a virus. I do. And I get knocked out by it. Two years ago, I got one. I got knocked out by it. And uh, um, uh, three days later, I was recovered. Four days later, I was giving a talk, public talk, mm. on a cruise ship, by the way. So we still get it. Yeah. But your system. Now, coming back to it, if you've got a good gut microbiome, your gut microbiome is linked to your respiratory microbiome. Yep. And your respiratory microbiome determines your vulnerability to getting the infection. Yep. And how severe it'll be. So by looking after your gut microbiome, this comes back to the inflammation and nutrition. Yep. You look after this. By looking after this, you then prevent or reduce your risk of contagion, catching something. And this is what's, what's unique about this virus, COVID, is it's very contagious. But you'll reduce your risk of getting an infection because... It has to go in there. And if you've got a rainforest of microbiome in your a healthy respiratory system, it's got to compete with it. Yes. Then start to reproduce. And I'm oh, sorry, then get into the cells and then start to reproduce. That's what a virus does. It gets into the cells and replicates itself. Yep. But if it can't get in there because you've got this rainforest of healthy gut microbiome who are producing all the antiviral, antibacterial chemicals that are poisoning it. So it can actually reduce your susceptibility. Mm. Then... Your immune system is primed, so when you get it, you get flu-like symptoms. Yep, and you get on with it. And you get on with it. Mm. Wow. What have you learned about yourself in this journey? Oh, look, um, what have I learned? I love doing this. Yeah. I love informing people about science. I love encouraging people about science. And I hear scientists out there all the time. There's a, a popular scientist out there. Yeah. and He'll go, you know, this is not linked to that. And I'll go, and I'll go, you have not had time to look at it. Yeah. And I cringe. And I go, well, I'd love to be able to teach people to read the journals. Yeah. It's all complex. Just go to the conclusion of the, you know, yeah. or just look at the number of studies. And you might not even understand the titles of some of them, but there'll be some you can. And I think everyone should have to do a, a health research degree. Yeah. <laughs> um, it'll, save, it'll save us all mm. and our economy billions and billions of dollars a year. Anyway, coming yeah. back, I've learned, I'm, I'm, I love helping people. I'm passionate about research because it's clarity for me. Yeah. And what I've found is one of my greatest skills is the ability to put everything else out there together. Into a story. Yep. So, you know, I have a package for Reflux, and there's not one package. Reflux isn't one disease. Hypertension is not one disease. If one disease, one drug, it's treated. Okay? It's not. There are multiple factors underlying it, you know? It's like that little pyramid of things going up there, and here's the hypertension, and here's the... And so I love putting it together. In fact, I think that's the first time ever mentioned publicly or ever... I don't think anyone ever talked about and knows about it, but I am building up something called hypertension profiling. Right. And again, medicine works by giving one drug to every person and hoping it works. And it has a 10% factor. So you can be on five drugs and it might work. I, I, I'm creating a system where you can actually look at people, ask them what their diet and lifestyle and everything is, and say, okay, what we know is that you've probably got what's called toxin hypertension. Yeah. You're having too much fluoride in your toothpaste. You know what's, you know what's so interesting about this? I'll give you an example. The stupidity yeah. of medicine and the brilliance of science. The stupidity of medicine. 
We know how to create hypertension in mice. Yep. There are a dozen ways. Now, if we take that and go, okay, we can create it in mice, can we do the exact opposite and reverse it? No, we give them a drug. So one of the ways to create hypertension in mice is to give them fluoride. Mm. And it creates hypertension in mice. Hold on. We've got fluoride in our toothpaste, in our water, and all our dental products. Mm-hmm. So is that causing my hypertension? Hold on. Another right. way that they cause hypertension in mice is give refried foods to the mice. So the equivalent of fish and chips. Yeah. They'll give it to the mice and the mice develop hypertension. And so they go, oh, hold on, let's give them a drug instead of getting them off the, the, the refried foods. Sugar. Sugar is the simplest way to actually induce, this is what the science shows, induce hypertension in mice, in the studies, so that they can work out a drug. So why don't you just get people off sugar? Do you see the stupid, science is great, medicine is crazy. Crazy. Uh, Arthritis, let me give you another one, arthritis, totally unrelated, arthritis. um, To induce arthritis in mice, so that they can test a drug on it, they stop them producing collagen. Now, everyone knows collagen's in your skin, but it's all your connective tissue, right through your ligaments and things, but all of your intestines are made out of it. And and, um, scurvy, in the old days, scurvy Mm. is a a collagen deficiency because collagen's made out of vitamin C. Yes. Okay, so what happens? To induce scurvy or a collagen deficiency in the guts of animals, they stop the biochemical process. And they stop the collagen being formed in the gut and the mice develop arthritis. And so then they give the mice a drug to test it rather than going back and saying, what's causing the scurvy in the gut? Well, uh, Hold on. What's the mechanism in what's which the mechanism? we gave them arthritis in the first place? Yeah. Science, medicine. Science is that, you know, I understand the need to create it and test it, but then you go back and say, okay, if I want to stop arthritis, what would I do? Well, I'd, I'd rebuild the gut lining. Mm. And I'm talking osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, all that, because also, by the way, they're inflam- inflammation-driven, which comes from the gut. So... Can you get rid of all of it? No. Can you dramatically reduce it? Yes. yes. How do I know? Um, 10,000 people a year I speak to, we get comments every single day. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. And all we did was teach people to reverse their arthritis. How? Mm. Rebuild their gut lining. How? Well, there's a dozen things and every reason's different. Stress can be one that, by the way, that initiates it and it stops your digestion. If you're not digesting too, you know, it's, it's, it's simple if you spend a bit of time and so it's rebuilding your health and digestion and nutrients and good food. And then everything starts to flow out there. And in the process of reversing your arthritis, you reverse your diabetes and you lower mm. your blood pressure. You lower your risk of virtually every single cancer out there. You lower your risk of colorectal cancer and breast cancer and prostate cancer. And all you're doing is rebuilding your gut to get rid of arthritis. Wow, what wow. a great drug. <laughs> awesome. The last question I ask all my guests, and uh, I think we've already been given a big chunk of this answer, but uh, the last question I ask all my guests is, if you could upload one little nugget of information into the collective consciousness so everyone just gets it, what would it be? Fix the gut. Fix the gut. Fix the gut. <laughs> um, yeah. It's not the only thing to do, yeah. but it's the simplest strategy. and. We now know the gut. There's only been one condition that I can't find any studies linked to the gut, okay? Mm. So when it comes to diabetes 1, diabetes, diabetes 1, 
um, the incidence of diabetes 1 is linked to the gut. Yep. Um, Parkinson's, linked to the gut. Mm. All of these conditions are linked to the gut. Then we've got all the ones I've mentioned, mm. and right through to acne, mm. the two drugs that they use... And before, make... we talked about serotonin and depression. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's nothing that is not linked to the gut. And is it, if you fix the gut, is everything going to resolve? No. But you can but reduce, you can reduce everything by 5% or 10% or 20% or 80% mm. and something's totally resolved in reverse by working on the gut. Because working on the gut is working with your evolution and everything. Um, let, let me, oh, oh, one other sidetrack on the gut. There's a fantastic drug out there. I rarely say that. But there's a yeah. fantastic drug out there called metformin. Metformin, they give to diabetes to help manage blood sugar levels. Oh, oh blood sugar levels. In the, in the diabetic, in, in the studies on diabetes and COVID, it's the blood sugar management levels that is the determining factor right. for mortality. And by the way, fibers and nutrients lower. Coming back, I'll have to get on to Gut Health Australia to find out more about that. But coming back to it, metformin is uh, originally derived from the African lily plant. So it's a herb, okay? But they've developed it and they've patented it. They can sell it as a drug. And it's really yeah. good because it, it helps control blood sugar levels in 20, 30, 40% of patients. And they've now found that people who have metformin lower their incidence of COVID-19. Oh. oh, they now find that it lowers their incidence of uh, lots of other chronic illnesses. But if you inject it, it doesn't work. It goes to the gut. And the only reason it goes to the gut and works is because the gut transformant hmm. and the gut bacteria, it's, it's what we would normally call a prebiotic, something that feeds the gut microbiome. Yeah. So all of a sudden, this miracle drug linked to reducing Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and even COVID-19, miracle drug, the feeds the gut. And you can get that same, same. And the problem with metformin, it's one thing and your gut needs many. Yes. As I said, my green smoothie over there has 20 different ingredients in it, minimal. Every meal I have, a dozen different ingredients in it, minimal. And so you feed the gut and fixing the gut is the, the I suppose the fire that gets the healing going. It's the stuff that if you just work on it and you introduce one or two things every week, don't expect miracles. Yep. If you want miracles, invest in it more. Yep. More time, more effort, more harder, yeah. Um, and people say, is that probiotics? Is that pro take, pro pro take probiotics. No, no, take probiotics after you feed the gut. Yep. Feed the gut with the good nutrients because the probiotics in your gut, the good microbiome in your gut, yep. and the probiotics that you eat, rely on food that you eat and that's down there. You're going to get strong off one gym session. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And taking a packet of probiotics is a waste of space and time mm -hmm. unless you're going to work on a gut healing strategy. And that's what we teach people, the simple things. Start with the gut, start with the gut, start with the gut. And gut, simple gut foods, and, and it all just comes back to, I'm sure, what you've been talking, Bryn, with lots of people. Mm. It's the nutrition you eat. There is no way around it. No way. Simple. Peter, it's been awesome talking to you today. My pleasure. If people want to find you, where do they? Well, look, the best one is just, um, I, I've got Facebook groups called mm. Gut Health Australia. Um, and that's our biggest and dynamic one. It's a private group because people put up private information. But if you just search Gut Health Australia, uh, you'll get a lot of information and then do a search on it to whatever topic you want. It's thousands of topics on it. Uh, we've got another one called Natural uh, Health and Healing Remedies. Yep. And that's one I started uh, about uh, six months ago. And that's really people who are interested in different things other than the gut. And again, I put the studies up there. 
Um, otherwise, my website, drdingle.com. Yep. A lot of videos up there, free. Yep. We've got free videos on all of these topics. Um, free blogs, all that stuff. And if you like this, we actually have a membership. Yeah. And as a blatant advertising, um, the membership is $75 for a year. And we'll have, by the end of the year, um, 20 to 30 hours of videos and hundreds of hours of written stuff up there for people. Mm. Um, so all the, all the presentations I do, I now video. Yes. And put up in our membership site. And the whole aim of the membership site is so that we can have a small income coming in yeah. to justify me to do more research. Yeah. And then I can do the research to put more up, to get more people in mm. and so on. And so it's as not, long as- It's not to buy a new boat or- No, I'm not into boats. I, a simple life, a simple foods. Yeah. You know, I really am. My, my treasure in my day is just going out and for my walk and my swims and things like yeah. that. And my grandkids. Yeah. I pick them up every day after school and whole school holidays. and. That's my treasure. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I never will be a millionaire from it and I don't need to be. I just, I just am aiming to earn an income from it to keep doing it because the more I can do, the more I can get out, the more I can get out, the more we can change the world. One person, one talk, one bit of one information at a time. So that's our membership. Best thing anyone will ever invest in their lives. Indeed. Peter, thank you for your time. Pleasure, buddy. Cheers.